When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me, as always, is the beat writer for Pitt Athletics over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Corey Christen. How you doing, brother? I think the real question is, how are you doing? You are the fan going through this roller coaster <laughs> that is the Pitt basketball season. What a hell of a week for the Panthers. Wins over Wake Forest. And, of course, number 20, Miami. And we're here to break all of it down. This is a massive, massive deal. And for the Pete to be sold out on Saturday, 12,508 announced attendance. Announced attendance. Important phrasing there. Um, It was every bit of loud. It was every bit of energetic. The crowd, the zoo, everybody was into it. And it made for, in my opinion, the best environment you know, that we have seen at the Pete this season. And this is what pit basketball is again. You know, this is a good thing to feel. This is a good feeling to have. And you have to love what Jeff Capel is doing with this team. Down three scholarship players, down two starters, just figuring it out along the way. And some of the comments that not only him, but Ben Howland made, of course, the 2003 Big East championship team, was honored on Saturday as for their 20th anniversary. Ben Holland met with us before the game. And later on, I'll share just a bit of what he had to say and why this 2022-23 pit team that Jeff Capel's running reminds him of that Big East championship team. So that's going to be something cool we break down. But the real question again, Gary, you're the man with the emotional investment in here. you got the EI <laughs> among the two of us. How are you doing? on this victory Sunday from Pitt fans. I'm doing good. I mean, I I didn't expect two wins this week. I really didn't. I thought they'd go one and one, um, you know, keep their dreams alive, basically. I feel like they really took a step forward. Um, I also feel like um, Miami has to feel like they had that one in the bag and let it slip away. So, um, you know, We've seen that happen to Pitt a few times this year already, too. So, I mean, we know exactly how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, here's where I come with Pitt right now, Corey. This is my statement on Pitt. All right? This is my, where, where I lay it on the line. I'm clearing the floor. Go for it. I don't think Pitt is the best team in the ACC, but I also don't think there's a team they couldn't beat on any given night. It's fair. That's a very fair statement. You just saw it. Miami, number 20 in the country. By the way, this is now three ranked wins for Pitt. All of them at home, but still three ranked wins for Pitt. They were down eight with 227, I think it was, to go. Something in that ballpark, 225-ish. 11-0 run to close the game. They forced three Miami turnovers down the stretch. Two of them forced by Jamarius Burton, who, you know, we could do a whole, 
you know, segment on him and how he is just an all ACC guy and he's quite literally carrying the torch for this pit team. Offensively but, and defensively, yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, they they pasted him right on mm-hmm. Miami's best player, arguably anyway, Isaiah but, Wong. But I mean, just that fight down the stretch, and I think for me the key sequence. Of course, the foul is called on Miami's end. Greg Elliott is called to inbound the ball. He bounces the ball on the end line. Some said he took a step. I thought that's what the call was in in real time. But he he inbounds the ball on the end line. So turnover, Miami gets it right back. Again, it's a one-point game by this point. Pitt makes this massive comeback with the turnovers. They're able to make shots. Blake Hinson, of course, has the tip in. Elliott commits the blunder, but... Right away, gets it back. You know, he cuts off that inbounds pass, picks up the loose ball, draws the foul, and hits the two free throws. We have to include that in there because the free throws, they matter a whole hell of a lot. Makes that game from one to three, makes Miami have to force up a three. And, of course, Isaiah Wong really didn't have a shot on that final shot. So for for Pitt to close out the way that it did, and not just about winning the game. Winning the game, obviously, is imperative here, and I'm not going to push it aside. But Pitt was down eight with two and a half minutes to go and found a way. How many times have we said this season, Gary, in what situation or another, that Pitt was able to find a way to do something? Not, not necessarily, you know, when you look at like a Florida State. You know, they didn't win that game. Right. But they found a way to come back from that win and get one against Wake Forest on Wednesday, which we don't want to underscore in any way. That win against Wake Forest is just as big as this win against Miami. Sure it is. When you're, when you're on this bubble that Pitt is with regards to the NCAA tournament, every win matters. Every win is big. You know, we don't want to say that, you know, oh, the North Carolina win, the Virginia win, Wake Forest, uh, Miami. We don't want to do that because – the fact of the matter is Pitt is in this position because they were able to stack all of these up. And Pitt is able to take care of home floor. Four of the last uh, – or five of the last six games at the Peterson Event Center have been decided by one possession, by three points or fewer. Pitt is 4-1 and one in those games. The only game that's the exception is Florida State, the loss of the Seminoles. And that, if you remember correctly, kind of became a free throw game at the end anyway. So sure. it could have been it could have been a one possession game. But Pitt beats UNC, they beat Virginia, they lose by one to Clemson, they beat Wake Forest, and they beat Miami. I mean, those are four quality home wins by one possession. And if even just one of those games goes on the other side, we're talking about a whole maybe not a whole, but we're talking about a different feel and a different complexion towards Pitt's NCAA tournament resume. But the fact that they've been able to stack all of this up, and you might be able to argue that the best of it was the Miami game because of the way that they came back to win and the way that they were able to put it together. You know, everybody played their role so well. And this is going to lead into what we're going to talk about later with what Ben Howland had to say and with what Jeff Capel had to say and kind of comparing very similar tones of what they were able to say about their respective teams from 20 years ago and then again from today. I mean, they're very different wins. Um, I wouldn't say one counts more than the other either. But mm-hmm. but Wake Forest, you know, they won that game shooting the lights out of the place. And that's not going to happen every game. So 
in this Miami game, they actually get outshot. I mean, their the shooting percentage, Miami was better than them. They won by rebounding. Mm-hmm. And they won by rebounding specifically offensively. Mm-hmm. 12 offensive boards in that game. And and that's really helps to make up for that bad shooting percentage because they're able to, to get more opportunity. Which led to a 17-2 to margin in second chance points. Right. How many times have we sat here and said, oh my God, Pitt got killed on the boards again. How many mm-hmm. times have we sat here and said, when is Pitt going to be able to clean up on the glass? Miami's a good rebounding team. You know, Nor- Norchad O'Meara down there is really solid, really solid forward. And this goes to the credit of Federico, in my opinion, in, in, a, in a paramount sense. He is very definitively not going to be a, a focal point scorer for Pitt. He is, as Seth Greenberg, I believe, said on the Wednesday broadcast on ESPN, a rim-running dunker. Is, is the guy that's just going to go back and forth on the floor. He'll get your rebound. He'll get back down there, and he'll be there to clean up an offensive rebound if you need him. Or he'll be there to kind of flash in a hole and then go up with it. He is very clearly defined as the rim protector of this team now. And what we've been able to see over Federico over these last couple of games has just been that. I mean, rebounding, controlling the paint. You saw that final, um, the second to final drive where Isaiah Wong, he took on Burton went into the paint. He tried to throw up an off-balance th- uh, shot, but Federico was right there for help side defense. So even if Wong was able to get something off, it would have been, had a hard time getting to the rim because Federico was right there. So, again, well, we got We got to take a quick break to pay mm-hmm. bills. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll pick right back up where we are. We're clearly excited, so let's yeah. move on. Welcome back to the H2P Podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you. We're going to pick right where we left off, talking about the game yesterday. And something I wanted to just point out, Corey, because I I do think it's something that is increasingly scary to me. I think they needed every minute that Jamarius Burton gave them in that game, but he played 38 minutes. I don't know how you can sustain that through this push at the end here. Um, you're looking at a bench that really went light. Nike only played 14 minutes and everyone else was three or under. Here's something that I can say is Pitt has Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, three full days off before they go to North Carolina for that showdown in Chapel Hill. And then after that, Pitt is off until the following Tuesday. They have six days off. And then after that, they have three days off before they face Florida State. So what I'm getting at is Jeff Capel has even said on record that practices have been run a little bit different because of the managing of minutes and the managing of injuries. And not that anybody's seriously hurt, but those maintenance things, you know, wear and tear. Um, you're running a lot. You're doing a like lot of we know Burton's got a We know Burton's got a, a knee. Right. It's a little sensitive. And you kind of saw it, by the way, against Miami. He was yeah. 
not limping, you know, not gimpy by any means, but he was still favoring it in some situations, which happens when you have a knee injury that you go through and, you know, you don't have cartilage in your knee. You tend to favor it when you're playing 38 minutes in a basketball game. But well, and and Miami's smart. Uh, they're well coached. I mean, that's a Hall of Fame coach over there, right? Mm-hmm. They're smart. They can see the tendencies. They know which which side Burton's going to drive from. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's become pretty clear which side he's leaning and favoring. Mm-hmm. So, you know, smart def- smart teams that know how to build a defense will will be able to shut him down at times if he can't get that right. And a quick. Sidebar: Nelly Cummings did. Uh, Nelly Cummings only had one turnover um, yesterday. So, for a guy that's been struggling a bit, he also didn't dip back into the you know bottom of the barrel per se. So Nelly held his own, even though he didn't have another great shooting game. But back to JB: thirty-nine minutes, seven of eighteen from the field, four of four free throws. He had ten total boards. It's the second double double this season. Almost had a triple double. Three assists away. From triple double, I mean, he's going to be an All ACC player. It's just a matter of first or second team. By this point, he is the straw that stirs the drink for this pit team in every which way. And we've talked about it before, where when JB's off the floor, which in this case he wasn't much, can't have Pitt falling apart. We've seen Pitt kind of fall apart when JB's not on the floor. But what do you do over this next stretch to manage JB? And to manage, it's not just him either. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of minutes on them. You know, Jeff Capel didn't use much of his bench against Miami. Guillermo plays three minutes, Santos two, Jorge two, and Nike played 13, and he didn't play a good uh, uh, 13 minutes either. So over these next couple of days, I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of rest leading into North Carolina. And then I would be curious to know, and this might be a question I asked Jeff Capel later in the week, how much rest are you giving this team this week? Because it's kind of rare to get this six days off, going from North Carolina to Louisville. This is all about schedule managing. This is all about practice managing. This is all about minutes managing. And again, we'll stress this multiple points, Pitt still down three scholarship players. No John Hughley, no Dior Johnson, although Dior's practicing. And then no Will Jeffries. So... Going forward, you know, with the schedule that's up up on the horizon, Pitt could maybe use that Louisville game and use that real-time feel to gauge how much do we play Burton or how much do we play Blake Hinson or how much, you know, does Federico get run? Because we've talked about it earlier in the year with Louisville and Florida State in the, man- in the managing of the minutes of the bench, which is thin. And K.J. Marshall wasn't there against Miami yesterday. He was out with an illness, but I think he'd be back for uh, North Carolina. But you would have to assume it's an all-hands-on-deck scenario for North Carolina in one way or another. What is the managing of that week going from UNC to Louisville? What is that managing like for Jeff Capel? That's important because when you look at the schedule coming up, you got Louisville at home. Then you got to go to Tallahassee to play Florida State and a, and a noon tip-off. And I want to stress that. Pitt will have to get there Friday, get up early Saturday, get to the gym early, shoot around, warm up, all that. So it'll be an early day for Pitt Saturday. 
And then you got Boston College, another inferior ACC opponent Tuesday at home. So does Jeff Capel look at this little sandwich block here and go, okay, North Carolina, we know, in my opinion, North Carolina's got to be all hands on deck. But do you manage Louisville to get to Florida State? And then do you kind of manage Boston College to get to Virginia Tech? You know? Like or do you just schedule. feel like do you just feel maybe like you can't take your foot off the gas at all? You know that might be a that might be a, a, really a logical tight, step too. Because we need to talk standings. I think overall, it's you know we're talking ACC now. Pitt's mm-hmm. number three, right? Mm-hmm. You know they're we're up there. They're Clemson's leading. Virginia's right right behind them. Pitt, you know, with an eight and three record, is right below Virginia at eight and two in the conference. It, we're we're up in the upper echelon here, you know. We're playing North Carolina, and technically, we have a better record than them right now. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Vegas is going to see it that way, but in the standings, Pitt has made enough noise now that they're up there. Is, is so- it going to be reflected in the top 25 ever? Because I, it doesn't feel to me like they're particularly close to cracking that. No, I don't think they are either, um, which is why I stress the net rankings and uh, Ken Pomeroy, the analytics and all those rankings more than I do the AP ranking. AP ranking is a little bit different when it comes to basketball than it is to football, in my opinion. Like football, it's a very clear and cut and dried process. Top 25 in football. Top 25 in basketball is hard to gauge. Like – Who's really worth getting ranked? Like Miami is Miami. Okay, did you watch that game yesterday, Gary, and think to yourself, Miami is the number 20 team in the country? Uh, in the first half, I thought. <laughs> no. Okay. No, that's fair. But, that's fair. I mean, I think I I mean, I think they're they're probably a, a top 25 team, I think if they're firing on all cylinders. So but, if but that's the thing, like college basketball, I think it's more perception than it is anything else, which is why I love these net rankings and, you know, the Ken Palm rankings, because it's it's analytically driven. It, it takes into account a lot of different stuff. Now, if the season ended today, by my math, Pitt would be facing, I believe it would be Notre Dame or Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament. So here's the thing. If you don't get a top seed you're going to be playing a tough game in the first round of the tournament all ever uh how many teams are up 500 or better 500 or better in the league one two three four five six seven eight nine teams are 500 or better in acc play so that just shows the depth and by the way acc had a quote-unquote weak season last year that's not the case this year you know there's a lot of teams in here you and i talked about before we started recording today about how many teams could win the ACC tournament. Clemson, Virginia, Pitt, UNC, Miami, Duke, NC State, Wake Forest, Florida State even. That's nine right there that you could argue, you could make a case for Yeah, that could win the ACC tournament. Pretty easily too. Mm-hmm. That's how yeah. loaded this field is. So it's so imperative that Pitt gets one of these higher seeds to help reset the bracket, to help get – in, in, so to speak, easier first-round game. And no team, by the way, is going to be an easy out in this tournament. Well, maybe Louisville. But 
no team is going to be an easy out <laughs> in this tournament. Maybe Louisville, maybe Georgia Tech, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to face Mike Bray and his last season coaching Notre Dame in the in oh. the tournament, right? I mean, like because oh. that's going to be their bracket this year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have to figure they're going to want to go out on top there. And uh, he just has a tendency to get more out of his teams than he has this year. So, I mean, you could see him looking at a short sample size thing like that. I saw the uh, quick sidebar. I saw the USA Today. Um, like Notre Dame wire post a story. It was like, who are Mike Bray's, you know, top 25 or whatever it was players. And Troy Murphy was number one. I found that interesting. I agree <laughs> with it, but I found that interesting. I'm more of a Matt Farrell guy, not just because I know him personally and I am good friends with his cousin, but I digress. Matt Farrell was tremendous. Those, those Notre Dame teams, you know, like 2017, 2018, really good teams. So Shout out to uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to Matt Farrell while I could. I love it. So let's <laughs> let's let let's let Matt Farrell hang out in the air there. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about um, the upcoming schedule, how we kind of see Pitt positioned right now, what we what we think we need to see happen to to have this finish in one of those top seed positions. Welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey and Gary with you. And, you know, comparisons to the 03 Big East champion team, Julius Page, Brandon Knight, uh, Ben Howland. A lot of them were in the building yesterday. The comparisons were going to kind of start to make themselves anyway because, you know, it's a team coming together almost out of nowhere, which that team kind of did. You know, a lot of people didn't expect Pitt basketball to turn into what it did that year. Um, you had an opportunity to talk to Ben Howland. You had some quotes from him. Let's start with that, kind of get what the ex-coach thought he saw as similarities, and then we'll talk a little bit about the path forward. I found it interesting. Yeah, Ben Howland talks to us before the game on Saturday. Of course, uh, the 2003 Big East Championship team was honored during the game for their 20th anniversary. And a lot of players were there um, to kind of make up for it. We also got to talk to uh, Donatus Savakis, which he was awesome with us. But Ben Howland, he said he talked to the team before the season started. And he's, of course, followed this team really closely this season and what Jeff Capel's been able to do. Here's what I asked him. I said, when you think of that 03 team, what – what reminds you of it? You know, what do you think? What are the first thoughts? Here's He gave me nine descriptors to that team, okay? He goes, toughness, physical, blue collar, work ethic, togetherness, unselfishness, physicality, and then he says, great kids, great players. Does that sound like this team that we're watching right now or not? It does. It's, ex- it's exactly the makeup. It's exactly the makeup. And – Jeff Capel, again, after the win against Miami, he had some tremendous words about his own team. Probably the most candid I've seen him this year 
after after any game, but also just in that formal press setting. Here's what Jeff Capel said about his team. Quote, the pieces fit. We've got guys that are over themselves for the most part. They're about the team. They just want to win, period. That's all they want to do. They just want to win. They don't care who gets the glory. They want Pitt to have all the glory because I think if they understand if that happens, then individually they all get something, end quote. Yeah. Does that not is that not a mirror of the two right there? And it and is. like you and like you said in the lead in, that O three team, that O two O three team, you know, Ben Howland had to build it up. You know, he inherited, you know, a Ralph Willard program that was kind of mediocre, kind of middling, and he had to build it back up. What's Jeff Capel done? He's built it back up. What what does he say? Brick by brick? He says it all the time. Print the shirts, John Rothstein. Jeff Capel, brick by brick, or pit basketball, brick brick by brick. But that's what Jeff Capel did with this team. He found a group of guys that are unselfish, that don't care who gets the glory. He says it, and it's true. They're all veterans. They all play for each other. They all have one common goal. That's what great teams do. They create this culture and this environment that is so dead lasered in on winning and is dead lasered in on team and is dead lasered in on program that it eventually becomes bigger than them and that's what's happening here what's happening right now is bigger than these players and every player is buying into it remember what Blake Hinson said after Wednesday's game against Wake Forest and to me this is quote of the year coming out of Pitt basketball I mean this is Pat Narduzzi level like step your game up Pat this is a good one Hinson goes it's a whole caravan worth of good guys Happy to go along this ride, and we're going to ride it. There isn't no back seat. We don't see no back seat. Everybody's on the car ride having a good road trip. How cool is that? Like, it's yeah. a good feeling. This is a good feel team to root for. And I love the parallels that Ben Howland made to that team, to that 03 team. I think it's really interesting. I mean, that team had to um, pull together as the season went on, and they did so. But even entering that ACC tur- or that Big East tournament back then, um, it didn't seem like they had a real shot. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it just there's something special that just kind of came over them. And I think you saw a couple of those parallels yesterday, where they just willed themselves to victory, um, found a way to do it. Nothing was going 100 percent right for them. In fact, if you were watching at home like I was forced to yesterday, you heard a lot of um, you heard a lot from the commentators about how uh, everything was going Miami's way. Every decision, the refs were, were making calls against Pitt. It was everything was going against them, and then they started playing defense, and that's the one aspect that pulled it out that and the rebounding on the offensive zone. So they just tried something different. They were getting shut down in one way. They found another way to score. Mm-hmm. It's it's a team that I think has a lot of different ways to slap you. And that that's good tournament basketball. Mm-hmm. Nobody uh, can shut down that one thing you do. It, it's coming to a point now where – Pitt is not just doing one thing. They're finding different ways to win. 
you know, against Wake Forest, they had to hold it off. They had to win with defense down the stretch. Against Miami, they had to make that big comeback and then play defense. This is the second game in a row where the final shot decided the game. You know, Wake Forest misses the shot that could have won it. Miami missed a shot that could have tied it and sent it to overtime. Second game in a row this happened. So the fact that Pitt is battle-tested, the fact that they're, again, five of the last six games in the Pete, one-possession games, and Pitt's 4-1 and one in them, they're finding different ways to come out on the other side. And a, a quick reset, by the way, on the NCAA net rankings. Pitt, hold its, Pitt holds at 62. They entered Saturday at 62. They come out on the other side at 62. Now, I'm assuming that this model is looking at the schedule ahead with two of the next three games, pretty tough ones for Pitt. Of course, at UNC, at Florida State. Pitt now is 3-2 and two in quad one games. 4-4, four and four, they were 2-4 and four entering this week. Wake Forest and Miami, both quadrant two games. So now they're 4-4. Four and four. And then between quadrants three and four, they are, they are combined 8-1. and one. So, you know, that one loss, obviously, to Florida State, which could get bumped up to quad three at some point. And this road game against Florida State, I believe, is a quad three road game. I have to double check. But... You know, people are wondering, why didn't Pitt move up in the net rankings? Miami dropped back. I believe it was nine spots because of the loss. But, you know, the schedule ahead is kind of tough for Pitt with these next two road games um, with a with a home with a home game against Louisville sandwiched in between. I don't know how much that's going to weigh on everything, but of course, it's a game Pitt can't lose. So, I mean, no matter how you crack the egg, they've got nine games left. They've got 15 wins. They've got a really, really good shot to crack 20. Mm-hmm. They should do that with relative ease, if you ask me looking at the schedule, if they're going to do anything this year. Mm-hmm. So if they get in, I don't think they're necessarily going to squeak in or back in. I think they're they're going to probably have to finish strong. It's going to be a, a fun watch, man. I'm excited to see how it turns out. and I, I'm, They're an easy team to root for. They really are. They seem like a bunch of, of kids that just unselfish to me is is probably the best descriptor, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're a little too unselfish, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they need to just take a, take a shot every once in a while, but we'll see. Now, every here and then, sometimes, you know, that you'll, you'll see too much one-on-one. You'll see too much... Um, you know, ISO game, whatever it is. And those are the bad habits that they'll slip into. Every team has good habits and bad habits. Those are the bad habits you'll slip it you'll slip into. But if you notice these last couple of games, from the Wake Forest game to the Miami game, Pitt's kind of fallen out of their bad habits, so to speak. You're not seeing a team that is going to one thing and if it works or does it, they're gonna live and die by it. This team is very coachable. Jeff Capel is very willing to be upfront with them about you need to adjust this, you need to do this or stop doing that. He is very um, forward with his players. And I think that's important here because it's such a veteran group, because they're as unselfish as they are, because they – know how to play off each other by this point. And at this point, everybody knows their role. That's what makes this even more fun. And that's what makes this team work is that they're able to absorb coaching and 
like Ben Holland used to describe his team. Just that, you know, hard work, work ethic, wanting to play for each other. That's what this team is. And these are the kind of teams that when they figure it out, can succeed down the stretch. And I'm looking at the final stretch of Pitt's season. This is, you know, in March. We're about a month out from this. But February 25th against Syracuse, that's senior day. That's the last home game of the year. At Notre Dame, March 1 for Mike Bray's final game as Notre Dame's head coach at home. And then at Miami to close the season. So Pitt's got a long road ahead. And those final three of those nine games that you talked about are not easy outs. Notre Dame might be having a down year, but going to South Bend, Mike Bray's final home game, it's probably going to be, you know, pomp and circumstance, bring in the alums. That'll be a, that'll be a hard one still. So, you know, we got to see how Pitt manages all this stuff that we talked about earlier in the show about managing the current minutes and managing, you know, guys like JB and, figuring out how you balance all of that throughout some tough games and then some easy games in between. You know, Jeff Capel's got his work cut out for him over this next month and a half, and it's going to be fun to follow. You know, once we get to the ACC tournament, wherever Pitt is seated, it's going to be a lot of fun. We talked about just how many teams can actually win the ACC tournament, and maybe we'll go a little more analytical with all of that as we get closer to it. But good week to really bounce off of, you know, Wake Forest, good win, way to hold off the Demon Deacons, and then coming back, 11, uh, 11-0 run to close the game, down eight, and you get that win against Miami. So really good week for Pitt Hoops, and we learned a lot about this team this week, Gary. Yeah, we did. And next week we're only going to have one game to talk about. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a drinking game, I think, where you can count how many times we say Baycott's name. Uh-oh. Right? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he, he played well against Pitt last time, but I think Federico is a little bit better than the Federico that faced North Carolina back in December. So Yeah, so let's see, see how that plays out. Um, but without anything else, I think it's time to end the show, brother. H2P. H2P.